way. CC, Los Angeles Country Club, not Liberty Arena. Trey is rolling his eyes as I make that reference as often as I possibly can here in the fast lane. You got like three heavy hitters that you try to get every day. Oh. Kenny Powers, uh, the Hope Word, and... Uh, LA. Yes, hope being the dirty four-letter word. That is one of those. Yes, there are plenty. Attention of those. to details is the fourth. There yeah, we go. You know, Trey has figured a lot. <laughs> Trey has figured a lot of these things out here in the fast lane. Somebody who has figured out as best as you possibly can handicapping. He is a fifty-six percent against the spread as monitored by the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. So it's legit. It is a third-party verification source for the knowledge of our next guest, Paul Stone, who is joining us now here in the fast lane pro handicapper and he does have the paul stone sports podcast paul a pleasure to have you back in the fast lane la country club out in los angeles where the u.s open is set to take place who is most suited to take on this course out of the driver or out of the golfers that you are handicapping for this coming weekend well, good to be with you guys again, Ed. And, uh, you know, first of all, Los Angeles Country Club it has long been a golf course that the USGA has wanted to conduct uh, one of its events, but the membership apparently has been a little bit resistant to it. Uh, but now they're getting their opportunity, and they've also got their second U.S. Open already uh, scheduled there sometime around 2035. So in another 10 years or so, we'll see Los Angeles Country Club again. But this is going to be a, a typical U.S. Open uh layout in that there's going to be deep rough. One exception, though, the fairways are just a little bit wider than the U.S., uh, a typical U.S. Open. Uh, it's been described as a second-shot golf course, so it's going to be really critical uh, to get off the tee. A lot of guys like myself who handicap golf, we use certain metrics, certain statistical uh, categories, and strokes gained off the tee is going to be uh, critical this week. Uh, according to most of the guys that I talked to, you look at the three guys who are ranked the highest in that category in the PGA this year: Scotty Scheffler's first, Patrick Cantlay second, Roy McIlroy third. So it's going to be uh, going to be interesting. We've got a par seventy course over seventy four hundred yards. So certainly to win this golf tournament, you're going to have to have some length, but you're going to have to have some skill as well. You're going to have to be uh, really good around the greens. The par threes are really interesting. The seventh hole listed at 284 yards. The 11th hole at 290 yards. And then we go the different direction with the 15th hole, only listed at 124 yards. Uh, But it's been said that it will be set up to play at just 92 yards at least one round uh, of the tournament. So if that happens, it will be the shortest uh, hole in modern U.S. Open history. But to get to my outrights real quick, I took Xander Shopley at the seventeen to one guy who performs well in the majors. Victor Hovland at eighteen to one, a guy who's on the top of his game right now. Got a lot of confidence. Won two weeks ago at the Memorial, uh, finished tied for second. Two weeks before that at the PGA, and then getting to my longer shots, Justin Rose at forty three years old, still playing uh, top golf. I think this type of survival golf is really uh, up his alley. He's uh, performed very well uh, in the majors recently. Last four majors, three top 16s, took him at 58 to 1. And then my long shot, 2019 U.S. Open champion Gary Woodland. Hadn't done a whole lot since winning the U.S. Open four years ago at Pebble Beach, although he did finish tied for second 
last year in the U.S. Open. He has the length to contend uh, here, and he ranks 12th as well uh, in strokes gained uh, off the tee. Gary Woodland took him at 185 to 1. Wow. That's a long shot, but you explained it very well. And, of course, more insight will be coming from the Paul Stone Sports podcast as well as at paulstonesports.org. Paul is with us here, pro handicapper in the fast lane looking ahead to the U.S. Open. Paul, you make your biggest hay on the head-to-head tournament matchups. How have you broken this down in terms of identifying ones that still stand out as valuable for you? Well, you know, first of all, you know, the, the matchups do vary from, from sports book to sports book, so people don't have the same access. But one player, you know, that I would recommend fading or betting against in tournament matchups uh, is one of my favorite players, but he's frankly not playing well right now. So I would suggest fading Justin Thomas. Uh, he's I've seen him matched against Dustin Johnson, uh, Sung J.M., uh, and some others. But you look at Justin Thomas, he won last year's PGA Championship uh, in May of 22, and since that uh, major victory, his last four majors tied for 37th, tied for 53rd, uh, missed the cut, and then tied for 65th. So he's just not uh, not playing that well. Another matchup that I like that he might be able to find out there. I took Brooks Kepka at minus 120 uh, over Jordan Spieth, uh, and I also took Adam Scott at minus 127 over Keegan Bradley. Paul Stone, stepping into the fast lane, pro handicapper. Paul, amateurs may not be part of your card regularly or hardly ever. Uh, There are certain places where you can go in on the uh, highest finishing amateur, debutante as it's also known. Um, That's notable for this event for our listeners because of the Lynchburg-Virginia connection specifically with Liberty University and even Jefferson Forest High School being where Isaac Simmons has played his golf. He's in the amateur profile. How do you view amateurs when you're handicapping and just getting a perspective from your own end on what to expect from an event like the U.S. Open? Well, you know, I don't look at them just too closely. I, I will say that I've got a uh, ticket at about 500 to 1 on the amateur from Stanford. His name's, I don't want to butcher his last name, but Torbornson. Um, he's about 500 to 1 at Circa, and I was out in Las Vegas this week and played him. But, you know, I think the USGA uh, set-up golf courses are really tough on the uh, amateurs. I think they have a better opportunity for uh, success, uh, more so with the Masters. But, you know, Sam Bennett played so well at the Masters, and he's here at the U.S. Open and uh, a host of uh, other amateurs as well. But I just think that it's tough enough, the pressure of playing in a professional golf tournament and now you're not only playing in a golf tournament, but it's the U.S. Open, and the course is set up so difficult, and the greens are so hard and so fast, and there's no room for error. So it's a it's a tough uh, it's a tough ask, you know, to expect uh, an amateur uh, to come in there and uh, even make the cut. But it'd be a great story if something like that happened. Paul Stone with us here in the fast lane. Much of our discussion has been on the U.S. Open, and if you've missed that. Fastly, Ned Lane, where you listen to podcasts. And while you're checking out podcasts, check out the Paul Stone Sports Podcast as well, including the one that I think is still the most relevant. I don't save very many podcasts, but one of the ones I have saved, just as a friendly reminder, if you want to bet and bet responsibly, is obviously one of the key tenets that we encourage. But about a month ago, you did the Pick Your Vice version, which is to encourage people to be smart 
you mentioned, you know, about two to three sports that you can focus on to really truly be successful if you want to be good at this thing long term. Did you learn that off the bat, or is it like a lot of folks that want to get into this, a little bit of school of hard knocks where you lose a little bit here and there and you realize where your true strengths and weaknesses happen to lie? You know, uh, Ed, no question the latter. I mean, anybody who's <laughs> been sports betting for any period of time, if they act, if they act like with a lot of their uh, preparation and then their learning uh, time didn't come in the school of hard knocks, I don't think they're being honest with themselves. But you just have to uh, – you know, you have to be responsible, first of all. You, you have to understand, you know, a, a buddy of mine who's been in the business a long time on the other side of the counter, uh, Rex Byers, uh, he always says 11 is still bigger than 10. And that's what you've got to lay on on a straight bet. You've got to bet $11 to win 10. So even if you can bet 500, you're still going to lose quite a bit of money. So you have to, I think you do have to specialize. I think you have to be honest with yourself. You have to keep good records. You have to uh, play within your means, and you have to eliminate the sports that you're not good at or the type of bets that you're not good at, and you, you've got to just uh, you know, keep an account of it and keep it under control and, and try to uh, be very intentional with how you approach it. Paul Stone, pro handicapper, with us here in the fast lane. Paul, uh, we always can get more tips and advice. You always share plenty of them uh, with us in the fast lane, but to some sports that you do handicap, and you only focus on three, the PGA Tour, college football, and college basketball. For college football, there are a number of teams that have been labeled as trendy dark horses, and and I'm going to put these teams out there as teams that are not projected necessarily to be in the college football playoff, but have a reasonable and legitimate chance out of them. Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Texas, LSU, USC, some people would put Notre Dame into that category as well. Out of that grouping, which one are you most optimistic represents either good value to make the playoffs, win their conference, or maybe even win the national championship? You know, I think really three teams stand out to me out of that group, and really they all could make the uh, the playoff. They're all going to be uh, the teams you mentioned, top 11, top 12 teams in the nation, so they're going to have great opportunity. But the teams that stand out to me are LSU, Texas, and then most notably Southern California. Uh, first of all, you know, in the first two weeks, uh, LSU, Florida State, and Texas are going to, you know, we're going to learn a lot about those football teams. LSU obviously plays Florida State there in Orlando in week one. And then in week two, Texas goes to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. So we'll see what those three teams are made of. But USC, I think, has the easiest, you know, pathway to the, to the full-team playoff, if you will. And they've really... Uh, short up that defense. You know, teams go into the portal, and a lot of times they're picking up players from non-Power 5 schools. Maybe their statistics look impressive, but they hadn't been going up against that caliber of competition. And you look at USC's defense versus their defense this year, and they certainly have upgrades, I think, at all three levels. I think they're going to be maybe even above average defensively for the Power 5 level. And with that offense – that defense doesn't have to be great. You know, it's just got to be good when you got Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, got all those skill position uh, players. So I, I like USC with the schedule that they've got, with the talent that they've got, and, and again, most notably, the upgrades that they've made on defense. Paul? Paul, with the logic of 
best player in the country. I'll just go with that team. I, I like it. Well, there are other reasons, though, that he outlined, Trey. He is much more complex, and uh, that's not a bad way, much more thorough. You mentioned attention to detail. Paul does that. That's why his reports are worthwhile and why listeners should subscribe at paulstonesports.org. That's fair, but Cale Williams is also really good. Well, that's also a very good point. Much like someone who's really good, over 56% against the spread, as monitored by the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City, Paul Stone with us in the fast lane. Paul, thank you much for your time. We'll table the college basketball talk until the next time, but we appreciate yours today. And yes, wishing you the best of luck until we speak again in a few weeks. Hey, I always appreciate being on with you guys ahead and Trey, and uh, y'all enjoy the U.S. Open this weekend. Indeed, we will do that. Paul Stone with us here in the fast lane on W226BG Timberlake, WBGMA in Lynchburg, WMNA, Gretna, Danville, Southside, all part of the Virginia Talk Radio Network, Fast Lane at Lane, where you listen to podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Trey Lyle VT or his handles. Now it's time for us to go live.